Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture Podcast. Uh, today is a special day. It is episode 42, and it is our anniversary episode. And this, this podcast has now turned a year old. I am your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. It's good to be here with you, man. It's exciting. Yes. As I, for many people who tell me, I hear a lot that a podcast only lasts about 20, about 20 episodes. And so um, we've got, it's gotten to this point for 40, 42 episodes, and we've gotten a year old pushing through all of the uh, ministry stuff because we're both in ministry, working full time, uh, and and trying to produce uh, content to help um, other youth pastors and youth leaders in their area of ministry. So, so it's been a journey. It's been a journey for us, as a, I'm sure it's been a journey for you who are listening. Um, if you're new to the podcast and this is your first time listening, uh, we want to welcome you. If you've been listening for a while and have not left us a rating and review, uh, we would highly encourage you to do that. Again, that does help uh, this podcast to be more available for others who are looking for youth ministry content. This week, we had an opportunity to talk with Justin Herman. Uh, Justin was on the podcast uh, Early on, when when it first started, is one of my first pre- uh, people that I've interviewed, and I was really excited about uh, our discussion for this week. And that's a discussion I think all of us are struggling with: is is how what does youth ministry look like when after this whole COVID uh, pandemic? What would it look like? What are some things that we need to keep? Uh, some things that we need to remove, change through this whole entire process. I know, David, you, you've, we've talked uh, off and on about uh, what our ministries will look like uh, after this whole thing um, is done. Yeah, and it's coming probably sooner than we think. Um, I'm in Virginia, and our governor just announced that they're going to start phase one in a couple of days. So that will probably have started by the time this airs. And since you're in North Carolina, I think you guys have, have you guys started phase one for your, um, your states going back to whatever normal is going to look like? Yeah, we, we've, we're in phase one right now. Uh, in the next, I think, if I remember correctly, in two weeks, we're going to hit phase two. Hopefully we'll hit phase two. We'll see when it gets close to that. And what that means is that we as a church can finally start meeting uh, with only up to 50 people. Um, so that's what's going on in, in our state right now. Yeah. And I know that that's, that's going to be difficult, especially for larger churches, you know, only 50 people at a time. So they may have to continue doing uh, quarantine type church, whether it's driving church or something like that until there's a larger number of people allowed back in together in the building. So um, even after the phasing starts and the, we start slowly moving back into a new normal, they're still going to probably look like some kind of delay, especially when it comes to ministries within the church that affect minors like children and youth ministry, um, because they usually don't give the youth or the children the largest room in the building. Which is true. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting uh, for all of us uh, who are in, in ministry and and youth ministry. And it's, it's, it's going to be interesting for us to figure out because we're all in unknowns. Uh, none of us went to to a school for this. There is no books written on this. Everybody is figuring out uh, right now. Yeah, 
It's there's nothing that people have done before who have a, who have already built a plan, has gone through this stuff before that we can have counsel with and talk to. We're all learning right now, so it's, it's a lot of unknowns. Uh, so I was really glad to be talking to Justin about this, to be picking his brain um, as we discuss uh, what will youth ministry possibly look like after COVID. So stay tuned as we talk with Justin Herman. Well, guys, I am... Super, super pumped for our topic and our guest today. I have the great privilege of talking to Justin Herman. And uh, what we're going to be actually talking about is something I believe every single person who's listening to this podcast today has been thinking of, is what is ministry going to look like or possibly look like when this whole COVID-19 quarantine, uh, pandemic, all this comes to an end. How is ministry going to change? But before we dive into that, Justin, just in case if there's someone out there who doesn't know who you are, who has not listened to your two podcasts, how about you kind of give us an introduction to yourself and tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Well, <clears throat> thank you for having me on again. Uh, very few podcasts have the uh, have the longevity that you have had, and I'm I'm really I'm really thrilled to to be part of this again. So thank you. Um, so I'm Justin Herman, and I do a couple podcasts. Uh, I've been you know youth ministry for ten years longer. Um, I do a controlled chaos podcast, which is a junior high ministry podcast for youth workers. And I do the Justin Herman show, which is just completely, you know, me just interviewing interesting people that, and I've been really fortunate to have some really cool, um, interesting people, um, in different areas of life. And I've been able to kind of talk to them. And, uh, and then <clears throat> I, uh, obviously like I said, spent a lot of time in youth ministry and I am actually just getting back into full-time ministry. Uh, I'm just starting as executive director of a nonprofit called R12, which is all about connecting um, students and their parents um, in local community service and growing in leadership together. And, uh, and I'm really excited for it. It's a, it's a, national, uh, a national nonprofit, and uh, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. That, that's absolutely great. I want you to kind of talk a little bit about uh, just the podcast, the Control Chaos podcast. The reason why I want kind of you kind of dive in a little bit and talk about that because this is a podcast that I want everyone who's listening to also dive into and subscribe to if they're not connected. Well, you know, the, I started it. My wife challenged me to start it, and because uh, I didn't, I wasn't doing a podcast at the time, obviously. And my wife was like, "You should start one. You should start one about junior high ministry." So I started it, and it just took off. Uh, I was totally shocked by it, and I and I and I loved it, obviously. And I've been able to talk to some really interesting people in the youth ministry world, in the the you know inside the church, outside the church, but it kind of all plays in the world of junior high ministry. <laughs> Did a bunch of episodes with Kurt Johnston, a mentor of mine for a long while. And, um, and you know, through the, all the craziness, uh, he's, he's really focusing in on Saddleback stuff. I had a lot of time on my hands. I kept going with episodes and just having a blast doing it. And uh, you know, it's for, for someone who is just looking for something that really is specific to junior high. Um, people, have, you know, kind of fall in love with controlled chaos. It's been a really fun venture, a really great tool. Yeah, a lot of people are listening may not realize this, but your podcast, um, on top of a few others, was the first introduction to me uh, for us getting into listening to podcasts. Really? And I absolutely. So I, before then, I, all, how I did, what I used to do in order to learn was just to read. Mm. Read, read, read until um, someone kind of talked to me and said, hey, you really all, you love to learn. Why don't you ought to get into listening to podcasts? I said, you know, I've never thought about that. And I, so I started, started searching a youth ministry podcast, 
around and just subscribing to a bunch and start listening. And your podcast was actually one of the first ones I really started to get into. Oh man, that's cool. That's really cool. And, and, and I, w- I want to kind of get to back to um, get back to what we're going to be discussing. And I, Cause again, I think it's really important for mm-hmm. those who are, who are listening, but we all know, and you know, this as well, that, uh, that ministry is never going to be the same after this. I, I really don't think it's ever going to go back to exactly what it was before uh, the, the COVID pandemic. Yeah. So what, in your opinion, Again, this is your opinion, and I'm going to share a little bit of mine, is what do you think ministry will look like when this whole entire quarantine is lifted? Yeah, I don't think it's going to look back to normal. So I I don't like the words unprecedented, even though it might be true. I'm tired of hearing it. Um, I don't like the words new normal. There's a lot of people like the old normal. You know, my my wife's one of those people. She liked going to church, and we, we go to a really large church in California. She liked going to church and having um, uh, you know, the, the you know, huge worship and the lights and uh, you know we, we see our friends and it's you know she likes that coffee on the patio and our kids go to the, it's a huge kids ministry at our church so she likes all that she's not interested in watching church online for another six months um, so when things do go back there's to me there's this marriage of the great lessons we learned and the things that we can do and should be doing more of and getting back to the normal of connecting with people, one another, you know, I threw something up on my, my Twitter or Facebook that I think that somebody somewhere is thinking about how to do the church 100% online, how to do kids ministry online. And I, and some people were like, well, life church kind of does that. And it's like, they, they don't totally do it like a church that, truly has discipleship and care ministry and life groups and kids ministry and youth ministry. Just everything though is done in a studio stage. None of it is done in person. It's all online. And people are like, Oh, that just sounds so terrible. Now I'm not saying I'm an advocate for that, but somebody's thinking about that. And I don't think it's the best idea. Uh, I don't think someone should do that. But somebody somewhere is thinking about it because there's no overhead. You don't need to buy land. There's no electrical cost. You don't have to worry about coffee. So somebody's thinking about that. So that's side one. Side two is, you know, there's also the churches that are saying, man, I just can't wait, get, wait, get to, wait to get back to the total normal, which is no more digital, no more having to do all these things online. No more have to worry about streaming our Sunday service. And I think that's the wrong move, too. You know, I I really think it's going to look somewhere in the middle. People are tired of Zoom calls. I think you know. I think so. A lot of the stuff is I think. But I think more. Some people are going to work from home more. I think churches are looking around, realizing that they can maximize their their uh, the efficiency of how they've set up their offices. I mean, maybe that's more medium sized churches, large churches that have you know you know large staffs. I think a lot of people they like working from home. They like seeing their kids. It's something I love. Uh, and they, they're still getting the stuff done, obviously, because everyone's working, you know, differently. Um, I also think that churches are going to start really developing what their online experience looks like. They're still going to do in person, but it's just, that's just going to be slow going, right? I mean, you're not going to, if they announce tomorrow in California, hey, everyone can go back to whatever, the church isn't going to be flooded with people. There's still going to be people who are kind of weird about things. and you know, that online community that we've been investing a lot of money, a lot of time into, you know, it's been the only route for churches. I don't think they're going to go back and say, all right, well, let's just stream what we do on Sundays. And none of it is really unique to the viewer. You know, that's the, that's the big takeaway to me for this season. We're really catering what we're doing to the viewer, to the online person where before it was, Hey everyone, so happy you're here. Thanks for coming to church today. Hey, and if you're watching online, we're happy you're watching too. And that be like the only real engagement that an online person gets at the majority of churches. And I think that's one of the big things that's going to change. I think there's going to be more intentionality around that online community. No, no I absolutely agree. And and it's and specifically for for youth ministries. 
I've, I've always felt like the youth ministry as a whole should utilize online more than probably what they are. Now, there, now some contexts and some churches, specifically medium to large churches, or I would say not all of them, uh, but a good chunk of them are doing more online. But I'll just use an, use an example of, uh, of YouTube. YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. Mm-hmm. And most of your students are on YouTube more than they're watching TV. More yep. than the watching Netflix. Uh, yet, I don't think, again, I'm, I'm generalizing, but I don't think a lot of youth ministries are learning to utilize it. Not necessarily means you have to try to, to build uh, awesome content because it's very hard to compete uh, with other YouTubers, uh, but try to have utilize it in some form or fashion in reaching your teens and reaching beyond your, your students. So I think that this whole entire pandemic has actually forced churches to innovate and be creative. Because if you don't innovate and you don't are looking to be creative, your ministry is not going to survive this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. The, the, I think that my, my hard, my hard break is our churches, you know, are you as the youth pastor are you just, is your creativity and innovation coming from just seeing what other people are doing and just kind of copying that? Because that's not real creativity and innovation. You know, the, if someone in North Carolina, where you are, right, um, watches Mariner's Church, which is my home church, which is where I worked for many years as a junior high pastor and where I attend now, and they tune into the Mariner's Church youth pastor, who, by the way, is Doug Fields right now, which is completely wild. And a story for another day, um, and they tune into what they're doing in the in the Mariners Youth Ministry, led by Doug, and they say, "Oh man, I, let's just do what they're doing." Then, yeah, that's that's creative and innovative, but it's not their creativity and their innovation, which means it's easier for them to drop it, um, you know, because they're not really bought into it. It's not their thing. Yeah, that that to me is like the that's the overall lesson of of the church, right? So someone comes in and they have an idea and they, when a youth pastor takes over a church, it's like the, the logo and the name is usually the first thing to get changed because they don't, they don't care that it's you know called surge. They're not into surge and the logo of surge. They want to call it something else. So they get new t-shirts, they get a new logo. It's the same thing here. It, it might be creative and innovative somewhere, but if it's not your creativity, it's not your innovation, then you're not really bought into it. And so when the whole pandemic's over, you're just going to stop doing it. <clears throat> and that's the hardship to me, that it, we have a, a lot of youth pastors out there potentially just kind of going through the motions. You know, they don't really know what to do, so they're kind of stealing from different places, where if you really sat down and said, okay, what is the thing that's really going to connect with my students? And you know, the, the big secret to me is, which isn't really a secret at all, that this is a season for far more relational ministry. We actually don't need to be as creative and innovative with technology. We have to be proficient in it, but we're never going to be YouTube stars. And I, I feel like that's like, that's like the partially the lie that that youth pastors are thinking and no one is just telling them, Hey man, you're not going to be a YouTube star what you're doing is not going to go viral. You know, maybe, you know, you'll be lucky if 75% of your kids watch it because if I'm a kid and I'm hopping into YouTube, you know, I'm not, I'm not watching church stuff. Now, again, that's not an overall statement, but in general, if I'm choosing between my church who's running things out of their living room and I'm choosing between dude perfect, uh, I'm going to choose dude perfect. And, you know, if I'm choosing between the Bible study with, you know, the church guy, or I'm choosing between Cole and Savannah LeBrant, um, who, who also go to my church, believe it or not, it's so weird, um, the, they're, they're getting hit up by every ministry possible. Hey, do you understand? <laughs> can, you, can you teach us how to do YouTube? Um, if I was going to choose between the two, like I'm a kid, I'm going to choose like the, the YouTube stars. So it's not just a matter of taking everything we did online and doing, or everything we did in person doing online. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this to me is a season to be proficient in, Hey, here's where you can find the messages. 
you know, the, yeah, steal some ideas. You know, hey, they do these Monday morning devotionals. Great, do that, whatever. This is the time for me that I would tell, if I had a youth pastor come into my office one after another, I would look at them, I'd get in front of my whiteboard, and I'd write down three things. These are the three things I'd write down, okay? <clears throat> I'd write down postcards and lawn signs. I'd write down uh, phone calls and um, I'd write down, and this is the third thing, this is the third thing, uh, I'd write down the survey, okay? So these are the three things that I would do if I'm a youth if I was coaching a youth pastor. Spend your days writing postcards and figure out how to make lawn signs. Either steal old political lawn signs and kind of change them, obviously, so you know, it's your youth ministry. If you have money, go order some lawn signs. And you hop in your car, you drive around, you pop them right in people's lawns. Hey, student, we love you, you know, we'll survive quarantine together or, you know, or we won't. And I'll, we'll throw you a great funeral, which that's a joke. <laughs> don't, don't really do that. But you know, the, throw lawn signs in your students' lawns. So, you know, you care that that's relational, that's personable and write postcards every day. You should be writing 10 postcards, 15, 20 postcards a day and sending them out. And to your leaders, to your students, to your parents, like, they at the end of this they should be like oh my god my youth pastor just sent, look at all these postcards they sent me like like you know obviously they're they're not sitting around playing video games like man this really this this matters every week pick a theme every week pick a different group like just order a huge stack of postcards and go after it uh number two the phone calls like don't rely on zoom calls zoom calls are great you're gonna do a small group zoom calls a, a good solution but even with that you know i was reading the thing marco was talking about not every kid wants to do a Zoom call. You know, kids, kids maybe don't feel comfortable at their home. Um, you know, kids, some kids feel weird and self-conscious being seen on camera. Some kids don't want you to have a window into their home. And you know, their parent who doesn't know they're on a Zoom call who's drunk starts yelling at them. Like, kids don't want you to see that. Like, they're going to be like, that's why a lot of them come to church because that's a safe haven away from all of that. So very few of them are like, oh, I'll just turn on a camera and a microphone and we'll see how it goes. That's a real tension for a lot of students. So a phone call, a person to person, hey, how you doing? How are things going? That's a big deal for a kid. Take advantage of that. Um, and a third thing I'd say is surveys. You know, if you want to figure out what should stick past the pandemic, do not listen to me or other smart people. Listen to your own people. Yeah, I think oftentimes we listen to smart quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes right now for everyone who's listening. Too often we listen to smart people and we don't listen to our own people. The smart person may say, oh my gosh, you know, these YouTube videos are great. And a highly produced YouTube video with spiritual content, but also some fun stuff is this is the way to go, guys. We, we should be doing this in our youth ministries. And then the average person says, okay, smart person, you're a smart person. We'll, we'll do what you say. But the reality is that it doesn't matter what the smart people think. It matters what your people think. So when your people say, you know what we really like? We really like, um, you know, the morning devotionals. Or we really like doing the, the Wednesday Instagram lives where it's like Q&A. Or do you know what we really like? We really like none of it. And we just can't wait to be back in person. Um, just keep sending us emails. So you might not agree with every bit of that. Or you might say, really? You like the, the devotionals? Like, that, like that's just something I kind of threw together, you know, because my boss told me I had to do a devotional online. But you guys like that? I would rather youth pastors take advice, listen to their people instead of listening to just the smart people. And a survey is the way to do that. You send out a survey ask some questions, have them, you know, completely objective questions. And, um, wait, is it objective or subjective? I always, I always mix those two up. Object, <laughs> su subjective is, is subject to emotions and objective yeah. is completely objective. Okay. Objective. So you just you make sure the questions are completely objective, scored one to five, you know, five questions and, and you just get feedback from people and use that data to actually start making decisions. No, I, I, that was, that's a great point when it comes to the survey. Because even, even for me personally, with some avenues in my ministry, in my student ministry, uh, there were some things I was making assumptions. And until I actually created a survey sending out to parents and students and got those results, that's when I got confirmation 
on some of my assumptions and, and some things were disproved of some of my assumptions based off that survey. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, mm-hmm. I also, I like, I like the point that you made uh, when it comes to uh, specifically the online content, YouTube, which I agree with. Um, I, I agree that you can't come into this after all this is over, come back into ministry thinking that this is the way to go. That, that producing, producing YouTube content and you're going to be a YouTube star, that's not a mentality you need to have. Um, but there needs to be, I kind of think there needs to be a healthy, healthy balance. And I, and I, I like what, um, I was listening to another interview from Carrie Newhoff and uh, uh, Vanderbilt. And I was listening, listening to that interview. And one thing that Vanderbilt talked about is, is that how pastoring is going to be changing. Like it's almost you have to have a healthy niche of someone who's, who's good at communicating with somebody in person, uh, with a group, with a crowd, also in front of a camera, and a blend between the two. Because there is a, those are two different ways of speaking and how you present yourself. And it's almost that same mentality of having a blend. Uh, it's kind of needs to think it's going to bleed into how we do youth ministry. Now, how that looks like and what that looks like depends on your context, your community, your students, your church culture, um, and all that. But I do feel like there may have to, there's probably going to have to be a, a little bit of a blend of the two because I, I personally don't think that when this is over, that your attendance is going to write back to what it was. Um, I, I, Anyone I think, who thinks that is lying to you. Yes, because you're going to have, you're going to have people who, who are still scared, who, who are scared of getting sick. And because especially when you're listening to the media and all this negativity that's going through there and with the talks of this thing, I think a second wave possibly in January, uh, February time period, a second wave of this, and you're hearing that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to create a sense of fear in some of your people uh, that's going to keep them mm-hmm. from actually coming into the doors of your church. So I do feel like you have to have a blend, and how that looks like uh, depends on your context. And that's when, as, as a ministry leader, uh, you really have to take the time to hone in uh, to your people learn your people, send out a survey, ask questions. So I totally agree with that. And also another point that, that I really loved is, is when you t- we were talking about how we're, we're getting back to relational ministry. And, and I, I mm-hmm. definitely agree with that as well. Because I think, uh, and we've discussed this uh, before recording, I just, I've discussed this, we've discussed this before, but we, we're, I, I really believe that we're moving towards back to the ministry, basically the basics, the basics of being doing ministry. Yeah. And I think we've gotten to, as a church and church culture nationwide, I, I, I do feel like we've gotten too produced and too programmed. And the relational side of ministry is, is not what it used to be. You know, I, you know, I, I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, my feeling off the cuff is that the churches that do get back to normal faster or even experience growth faster are, will be the churches that really honed in on the relational part. Because everyone's trying, if everyone's trying to figure out the digital and just be these digital experts, by the way, they're not going to achieve that because they're just, that's just not what their strong suit is. The, the churches, the youth ministries that, are, that invest intentionally in postcards, the lawn signs, the phone calls, those uh, churches, um, they're going to be the ones that when people do start going back, they're students who want to get there to see Jim because to thank, just to thank him for all the postcards or because there feels like there's a connection there versus my connection to you is through a screen. If your only connection to students is through a screen, then when the screen goes off, it's going to be really easy for that connection to go off. If your connection to students is through the lawn sign they see every day, through the phone calls that you're making once a week, through the postcards they have a stack of in their room. And I know I, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm given very specific things. There's other things they can add to the list. I'm honing in on those three because those are just my big three right now that I'm honing in on. <clears throat> but the, the youth who are experiencing those things 
they're going to have a desire to get back to church differently than the people uh, or the students who've just been, you know, consumers or, you know, they've been consuming the product that the churches have been giving. Then when the product goes dry again, it's like, Oh, well, you know, maybe we should go back. Maybe we shouldn't. Oh, they, they're going back, but you know, we don't really want to go back yet. Are they still doing everything online? Oh, they're not. Okay. Well, I guess there's nothing for me now versus, um, you know, we keep maintaining as much as we can knowing that the big win is the relational. And when students come back, it'll be because of the relational stuff that we did because of all those items that we did to build deeper, real relationship past just the digital engagement. No, I, I agree, man. I absolutely agree. Um, I, I, this is a prime opportunity uh, for youth ministry leaders to connect with the kids in a way that may have not been able to connect with before. So like, I, I'll give you a perfect example with even within my context. Um, I just, again, I'm learning, trying to figure out ideas, what would work, what wouldn't. And I just happened to hear again on another podcast, another ministry, a leader, uh, just going around to their kids and doing gift bags, just small little gift bags and doing a ding dong ditch type thing. Uh, with their kids and just give them a little goodie bag, um, something small. So I was like, that is a phenomenal idea. So because I'm finding, trying to figure out ways of connecting with my students um, outside of, of, of a Zoom meeting. Uh, yeah, so I do yeah. something that's more face-to-face. So I, so I was like, let me take the idea. So, we, um, so I went around doing that to different, some, some of my teenagers. And I'm slowly but surely trying to get to all my students within the next month. Uh, each week I do a, about four or five, maybe six students. Um, each week, and what I, what I've noticed is is the and I never expected this is how big the positive feedback has been from parents, specifically parents uh, first, and also the students. I, I I was blown away of the feedback I got, not realize realizing that the connectivity, relational side of ministry is something that. The, at least my students are, are needing more than ever. And it's showing when I'm actually showing, going up to the door and they're coming out, they're excited, especially junior hires. Junior hires are all, always pumped up to see me when I go to the door. Oh, yeah. Um, I just pumped up, uh, glad I'm uh, just happy I'm there. They're talking, they're glad to talk to somebody uh, besides their family. But it's been awesome, awesome to see. But so I, I totally agree that, that if you're not doing that now, in your ministry, you, you need to start. Start mm-hmm. doing something that's relational driven, mm-hmm. uh, that's outside of a screen. Because uh, that's going to be the uh, long term dividends for that is way bigger than actually uh, when it comes to doing something online. Yeah. Uh, and there's benefits in both. Like uh, our, Zoom meeting, our Zoom meetings for my students and my ministry is going well. So I've heard some, some, some pastor friends that's not going as well. Ours is going well. Ours is being effective. I'm having just pretty much the same amount of numbers during this time of the year that I would have if we were meeting in person, uh, which is phenomenal. I never expected that. It just, it's some, it's, so it's working for me, but I do know, like you said, that this is not going to work long term. By far, it's not going to work. Uh, so relationally is where we need to be focusing on. Yeah, I I really believe that once this whole thing's over, that there'll be a correlation between who amped up the relational and who did not. And and here's the thing: I feel like none of this is mega original. Um, You know, there's a lot of 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 people saying exactly what I'm saying. It's not like I'm saying anything unique. But you know, there's this pressure. I think it's I think it's the comparison culture, for sure that there's this pressure to look a certain way or do it a certain way because that's what other big churches are doing. And there's just no way to compete with the money, the resources. Um, there's no way to compete on that level. But it shouldn't be a competition on that level, first of all, because those churches with all the money, with all the people, with all the resources will never be able to compete with the relational connection you've built over time with your students. And I think there's a lot of freedom in that freedom that we're not giving ourselves, um, but we need to start to give ourselves. 
that the you know, you may look on Instagram and see what everyone else is doing, but none of that matters to your kid. Your kid doesn't know those churches exist. They don't know those other youth pastors exist. They know that you exist, and they want to get to know you, and they want to know you more. They want to, they want to have some safety during this crazy time. Like there are some really easy digital things that you can do that you know could be continued past this thing is over, but that will really be effective right now. You know, I know a church that does um, they do weekly interviews with people. And they just, just like almost, I mean, it's basically like a podcast, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. sit with someone, they interview them, they talk about whatever, um, and they post the video um, and the audio. That's something you can do when we come back. <clears throat> and that feels like a fun, easygoing deal. Your ministry is not built on it. It's not a ministry built on interviewing people, but it's digital content that can keep going later so that you can focus all your real energy on not the program, but on the relational aspect of what we're doing. Like if, if all the digital stuff we're doing is all program-based, then we're missing it because we're not going to be able to continue any of that program, that, that hot, the level to which we're doing the digital program when we're meeting in person. But if your digital strategy is tied to a few things that, are, you know, that, that you can do, that you can keep doing once you get like the morning devotional, the Instagram live, the doing an interview with someone, a video interview with someone, and posting that video and audio about topics that you know kids or parents like those things matter. You know, a robust email like this is a chance to hone in a robust email that actually is useful for parents, and that's something you can keep doing when this whole thing's over. Those are the things that I think are going to stick. It, you know, I don't. You know, I just don't see everyone saying, you know, what we need. We just need to keep not meeting in person and to only do this digital stuff. That's just not realistic. I just don't, I don't, that's not realistic, but there are certain things that can keep going after this um, that are not program based. No, no, I absolutely agree. And I'm going to say something that may be a little controversial for those. Here we go. Well, you got the right guest for that. I love controversy, but hit me, hit me with your best shot. I, and I'm sure you agree with this because everything you're, you're saying is pointing to this. I don't really believe when I look at God's work, I'm looking at scripture. I do not believe doing everything online. It's what God intended. And I don't think it's biblically what the church should look like mm. because, because there's no relation. There's no connectivity. You, 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 there's always so much relationship you can do online you're not living a life on life, which is what making discipleship and discipleship is. You can't do that online. And uh, I'm hearing talks right now. This is again, this is going to end the far end of the spectrum when it comes to church. I'm, I'm hearing stuff about how uh, we should start uh, utilizing virtual church and doing everything online. Yeah. And I just don't, I just don't see that as the way God intended. Yeah, you know, here's the, I, there's some, there's some, there's, so I looked into it. There's a couple virtual, quote unquote, virtual churches out there. One of them is kind of weird. Um, it's like literally like this digital space. It's like you're in a video game. Um, yeah. It's very odd. Um, you know, there's one that, that happens um, called Insta Church from Hawaii. And, uh, and the dude who does it seems pretty authentic guy and, and him and his wife do it. And it's pretty simple. It's on Instagram and YouTube and um, Twitch, I think, but, uh, yeah, the, the, and, and keep in mind, I'm the, it, it became a big threat. I mean, I think it's still on my Facebook. People were very passionate. All I'm doing is throwing out and throwing out a thought. I think someone is thinking about how to do it. Someone is looking at the cost. They're looking at that, um, that, you know, uh, harvest does a service that a million people tune into. Um, the, you can do a really high quality digital program. Somebody's figuring it out. There's going to be innovation that comes out of this season. Thing, companies that didn't exist before, new markets that didn't exist. And, you know, keep in mind, most churches, you know, large churches, every company, um, most large companies have some kind of social media coordinator, social media manager. That job didn't exist 10 years ago. That wasn't, that wasn't a real job 10 years ago. So the, you know, when I remember when I was an intern, God, this is like, this was 10 years ago. I was like 25. I was an intern doing my summer internship in college at a church called Eastern Hills Wesleyan Church. And um, I finished the internship, but they loved me. 
And I said, well, how about I stay on and I'll be your, your social media manager. And they were like, well, what's a social media manager? And I made this up by the way, at the time I made this completely. I was like, well, I'll manage all the social media stuff. I'll manage your, and at the time I think it was just Facebook. There was no Instagram. It was just the, the, the whole thing was ridiculous, but I was probably like one of the first because I mean, I literally did it while I was at college. I, they would send me stuff and I would post it online. They'd send me photos and a little text I posted online. There's no deep strategy to it, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, but now every church has a, a, a digital kind of, and it's all based on, you know, you get the job because you know how the algorithms work. And I mean, it's, it's like a real thing. There's going to be jobs that come out of this industries that come out of this that did not exist before. I think churches are going to put more time into their, the digital side though, more designers, more video people, more, but I don't think why well, I do think that it's going to happen and I don't think it's wise for it to happen, but somebody somewhere is going to say, let's plant a church and I'm a church planter and we're going to plant our first church completely online. I think that's what, what the Facebook message is about. And, and I don't think that's wise, but I think it's going to be done and I think someone's going to do it. And I think some people are going to hate it and I think some people are going to love it. And, and here's the thing. Maybe it's not how God intended but, you know, the playing the other side, and keep in mind, I mean, I, I just want to make this super clear. I go to church. I'm going to be there in person. My wife can't wait to be there. I can't wait for my kids to be there. On the other hand, you know, there's communities that have hundreds of churches in them that aren't reaching anybody. Maybe this is going to be the new way. Maybe, the, maybe, there's, maybe there is a place for the 100% online church, if it's, if it's authentic and if it's, if it's real and if it's about reaching people and if they figure out how to do the discipleship thing, not just the giving thing, it's really easy to figure out giving online, but they figure out how to really make disciples. Um, you know, they figure out how to cluster groups together in communities, you know, which, you know, in some ways will be impossible, but somebody will figure out a way to do it. Amazon figured out how to, if I can order a package for my cell phone and it's here in two days, like they figured that out. So things can be figured out. And if it reaches people who are currently being unreached, you know, who am I to throw a stone at that? Especially if I'm looking around my church and it's like, man, I feel like the same 200 people have been here every week for the last, you know, the last thousand weeks. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're not growing. And I'm not picking on churches when I say that, of course. That's not my heart behind it. All I'm saying is, and keep in mind, I would not go to an all-digital church. All I'm saying is if we have to be willing to leave space for stuff and see where it goes, see how it plays out. Like it, it may not, you know, it seems so weird and, you know, different and crazy, but you know, so did Jesus when he showed up. And that's why a lot of people didn't buy into what he was saying. It's like, wait, who is this guy claims to be God? Says he's going to tear down the temple and rebuild it. Who is this man? It's like, all right, well, you know, maybe, you know, the, and there's a lot of compl you know complexity of that, of course. But in the end, they rejected him because they didn't want to give up their power. They didn't want to, they, you know, they were afraid for their lives, and you know, this wasn't the way God would want it to be done, right? I mean, you know, the Messiah is supposed to be this military leader who who frees everybody. He's not this servant on a donkey. You know, things aren't always what they seem, and I feel like the older I get. Uh, and keep in mind, in my younger days, I'd be very quick to just toss out ideas or toss out, you just be dismissive of things. The older I get, the more it's like, all right, well, you know, let's see how it goes. And, you know, if, if God's in it, then he's in it. He's going to bless it. And, you know, if he's not, then he's not. And I just I want to leave space for the things that I wouldn't put on the list to see if, to you know, just give space. I don't know if any of that makes sense. It just, it, it's tough for me because I just don't fall completely on one side or the other. I want to leave space for it knowing that I personally wouldn't be a consumer of it, but maybe 10,000 other people would who've never stepped into a church. And for them, that's going to be the bridge to getting connected in a local church. I don't know. By you just, the last thing you said, I think it, it's a, it's a great point and it possibly can be used for that is, is as a doorway. Yeah, and I and I think that that to me is the most realistic one. The 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 you don't want to walk into a church. Don't worry about walking into one. Log on to one, and but it's used as a conduit to 
you know, we want to get you plugged into a local church. Here's a list of all these great churches that we partner with. And maybe part of that is how it's funded. So, I mean, I think that to me, that's a, a, an angle, but even that, I, I you know, for, for the person who's a believer, they wouldn't log on to that. Like the current believer, that wouldn't be the target audience. It would be the current unbeliever with the goal of connecting them to a local church, but still, you know, having stuff for their kids and having stuff for whatever, so that it will, it can help the whole family transition or, you know, be the first. So uh, again, it's like, who knows? I'm not the one doing it, but somebody out there is, is working through those ideas on a whiteboard. I'm just, I know America. I've been around Americans for a very long time. And they're innovative, and they're entrepreneurial, and they're creative, and they're opportunistic. Those are all great qualities, by the way. And so somebody somewhere is on a whiteboard figuring out what the future looks like. Mark Cuban talked about this. I, I, I was watching him on the news. He was talking about somebody somewhere is figuring out what the future looks like. And they're going to start a company. They're going to innovate something, and it's going to change everything. And they're, they're planning that right now. Right now, someone's planning that. I, just, I believe it. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. No, no, I agree. And most, and what I said earlier about this, I'm open to it, but cautious. Yeah. Uh, just because I, I have a, when I, again, there might be someone who's smarter than me, knows more than I do. Uh, but when I, when I just sit down and think about it, I have a hard time uh, seeing the relationship part being effective a hundred percent online because, because, uh, because when we were point of making disciples, and discipleship is making disciples that disciples others that disciple others. Yeah. That's multiple multiplication. And um, not, not saying it can't be done online. I just I have a hard time seeing it done effectively um, online. Again, I might be proven As wrong. As do I. As do I. And I, and I and hope I, might, I am proven wrong. Hey, I would love it. There's nothing better than being proven wrong. And, and I mean, I, and I really mean that. I mean, I, I'll, the, the concept of being a doubter, and moving from doubting to believing because the evidence, the proof, not just because you were forced to or, 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 or paid to, but because you, you see that what you thought it was isn't what it actually is and outcomes are different. And like that, you know, there's nothing I like more than that. I like my mind being changed, my opinion being changed, but it would have to be pretty legit to, to change it. No, I, I agree. Well, Justin, as we wrap up, in case, if there's someone out there who wants to connect with you, maybe learn, uh, kind of connect with your podcast, or even kind of get dive into this question, or even listen, uh, uh, ask questions about your new podcast, which I also love, uh, what, are, what are the best ways to get connected with you? Well, I'll send you a thing, uh, the links, I'll put uh, some stuff to you that you can put links in the show notes, but it's Hey Justin Herman, and pretty much everywhere. Hey Justin Herman on dot uh, com. Hey Justin Herman on Instagram, Facebook, um, Control Cast Podcast. You know that you can find that anywhere you find podcast. Justin Herman Show anywhere you find stuff. And you know this this new deal that I'm doing, this new nonprofit R12 is great. I know a lot of churches out there um, are probably looking for a solution to get their uh, students and their their parents serving together, connected together, building faith together, leadership together. Which is that's a key thing parents and students, not just doing it separately, but doing it together. And it's for high school students. If anyone has any questions about it, I want to hear more about it, man, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to them. And uh, I'll actually send you my cell phone number. You can put that in the show notes as well. Anyone can call or text me anytime. I'd love to connect, talk about anything we talked about here. Talk about R12, I think it was an incredible nonprofit that, that I'm getting to, to oversee now. And uh, you know, anything else, anything else on the, on the, the docket, I'm, I'm available. Well, Justin, I want to thank you for taking your time out to come on the podcast today. Well, dude, keep doing everything you're doing. Congratulations on the success of it. It's just, it's such an honor being here. And I'm thankful for you and guys, you know, leaders like you um, who continually add their voice um, to the conversation. And it's a voice worth listening to, by the way. You ask great questions and you have great thoughts and ideas and uh, and truly just keep up the great work. I'm a fan. I got a t-shirt hanging in my, my closet right now. I'm a, I'm a listener. I'm a fan. So just keep doing what you're doing, man. Well, guys, I'm, I'm really appreciative of what um, Justin is doing. He's just started a new ministry, R12. I'd highly encourage you to connect with him. Uh, if you're interested on how 
how to integrate parents in your ministry, I highly recommend reaching out to him. I'm really thankful for what he is doing through his, his podcast and his other ministries he's doing, uh, helping youth leaders in their ministries. Well, David, I, I think that we are both now in the f- process of planning for, co- for COVID to end. Yes, praise the Lord. I think we're both just entering, well, I know I am at least, entering Zoom fatigue. I am tired. I love, I love the opportunity to connect my teams, but I'm getting tired of it only being through Zoom. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, the funny thing is I was actually starting to look into using Zoom for different parts of ministry, I think back in November, and was just you know, kind of looking at it when, when I joined the podcast and we were using this and we were kind of helping each other learn some of the aspects of zoom, I was starting to think this might be a good idea to, to help with uh, ministry, like maybe doing youth leader meetings. So I don't have to drag them out to the church for one more hour in the week. And, and then the COVID hit and I was like, well, guess there's no better time to learn than now. <laughs> so I dove right into it. And as much as I do enjoy seeing them, which I really do, um, I'd rather be with them. And I know that their youth leaders would rather be with them and their parents would probably, they rather be with us. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. And I know that, you know, the COVID's not going to go away like completely, but uh, being able to be together again and, and be a part of community in proximity with each other, which is what we were built for, is going to be a, a much healthier situation in the long run. No, I agree. Well, guys, uh, I want you to encourage you to uh, to keep sticking it out. Again, we're on this together. We're all in entering unknowns, figuring things out as we go. But I want to encourage you and let you know that you're doing phenomenal. Uh, never think you're not doing a good job because, again, we're all learning uh, through this process. Um, but we want to be there through you, uh, with you through this. Um, so if you have any questions or concerns or uh, just want to pick our brains, feel free to reach out to us on social media, DM us um, as well. Again, our handles for Facebook and Instagram is just Youth and Culture 2000. Uh, shoot us a message. We'd be happy to get in contact with you. Um, again, I'm looking forward to next episode.